the recording. Yeah. Well, you sound lovely. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I feel, know? I feel... You feel lovely? I feel like ass. Oh, you feel like ass. Lovely ass or just here, ass? Here, let me give you a, a piece of data that yeah. I find... I'm recording. Um, you recording? I'm, of course. Is this the show? I'm always recording. This is the show. We got a show going. Excellent. How to convert yards to tons in gravel. Let's see. Uh, this is by hunker.com, which mm. so. I think is a safe for work site. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so you, we'll said you think it's a safe word? <laughs> could, could be. Yeah. Could hunker, be. hunker. 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 <laughs> right. yep. Most gravel and crushed stone products have similar weights per ton. A general mm. rule of thumb when converting cubic yards of gravel to tons is to multiply the cubic area by 1.4. For your reference, gravel typically weighs 2,800 pounds per cubic yard. In addition, there are 2,000 pounds in a ton. I wow. moved a little over two uh, cubic yards of rock um, yesterday, which if you're keeping keeping track at home, that's two and a half tons. That's two and a half tons of rock. With a shovel and a wheelbarrow. That's, uh, so, sounds back-breaking. Mm-hmm. Sounds back-breaking mm-hmm. to me. I, I wish. I wish. <laughs> I think... Uh, we have to get some new gravel for our driveway because we have a gravel mm-hmm. driveway because we mm-hmm. live out in the middle of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. they, and haven't, they haven't learned about asphalt out there yet. <laughs> no. And um, you can get something called a tailgate spread, which is something I'm hoping <laughs> to have happen. I had one of those one time and <laughs> drank just way too much. You have to and get then... this when you turn 50. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, they, they kind of like open the tailgate of the truck. You're joking, and, right? That's, that's, that's no, that really, what it's called. That's what someone, they call it. Someone came up with that name and said, that'll do. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because they spread the gravel using the tailgate of the truck. So they just kind of drive the truck slowly down the driveway and tilt it. And they keep progressively tilting it as the gravel falls out. And so you kind of, it gives you a rough spread of gravel right off the bat. So you'd have to move less stone. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Better than dumping it in a pile. Exactly. Which would be bad for me, but eh, it's all bad for me at this point. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, anyways, um, uh, let's let's. Is it beer time? Let's have some beer. Yeah, uh, I have to open. What do you this. got? I have something. It's it's expired. Um, <laughs> it's not That's expired. How I feel right now. I think they want you to drink it within the first month, and it's not uh, okay. Um, so. It is Simcoe Pale Ale, um, brewed by Hill Farmstead in Vermont. Oh, yeah! It's a little. They had little cans of it, so we got even a bad day at Hill Farmstead is better than a good day of some. I don't know. Exactly. There's got to be a most places. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Should I just open it? I'll have some of that. What are you having? I am having another local uh, brewery, Aeronaut. Uh, This is a collaboration with Finback. Which I do like Finback. Um, I've never heard of Finback or Aeronaut. Yeah. So uh, Aeronaut's out of Somerville, Mass., which is near you know all the college students. I've lived in Somerville before, and it was it was fine. Um, Aeronaut is a new-ish brewery, been around I, I want to say five years or something like that. I never really like their beers. I find them to be pretty bland. Um, but I've heard good things about some of the recent beers, and this one caught my attention. Let's see. I'm going to read you more stuff because uh, what's better than a podcast that reads you text? Yeah, I, I love it. Beautiful. Uh, it's like an audio see. This improbable IPA, it's called Improbability Drive. This improbable IPA is infused with multiple editions of lactose, vanilla beans, and fresh orange zest. Dry hopped with Citra, Amarillo, and Mandarina, Bavaria, and fermented uh, by Aeronaut with their house yeast. So this sounded awesome to me because I love... That creamsicle flavor that comes yeah, in a lot that, of IPAs that, that, now. Orange zest sounds makes it sound mm-hmm. good. Uh, yeah. Let me read my can because it's <laughs> uh, it says American Pale Ale brewed with Simcoe hops. That's it. That's all it says. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those guys are they're simple and to the point. Yeah. I like. I'm gonna try this. Their right labels now. are simple. Their beer is it's also delicious. Simple. And this has one hop. So I, I find that single can hop have, beers have are never now? my super favorite. Um, so we'll see how this goes. Pretty good. Hmm. Um, it's drinkable. It's still rather bland. A little drinkable. bit of orange, There's orange a, cream. There's an endorsement for you. 
Well, I mean, it, like if I was moving gravel today, I would probably enjoy this as a as a nice refreshing break. Um, although I think it's like eight percent, so um, wow. But a little this? bit of the creamsicle, orange creamsicle comes out at the end. Um, otherwise, not extraordinary. It's just a five point two percenter. So unfortunately, I'll remain coherent for the remainder of the podcast. Oh, this is five point nine. So. No, we're in good still, shape today. Still a little higher than what I would consider uh, lawn mowing beer, but... Yeah. All right, um, so uh, what are we doing today? Uh, I think we're talking about something. Hmm. Um, pretty sure. Good plan. Uh, I had some notes. <laughs> um, I wanted to do some follow-up. Um, so I guess we, we did an ebook and a reading device podcast, where well, at least we talked about those. Um, that was a long, long, long. It feels long. like. Am, am I gonna? Am I gonna be responsible for putting that in the show notes? Uh, maybe. And uh, so it took me actually that long to read a book, which is something I wanted to finish the book I was currently reading, and then start a book that I um, had an ebook version of that I bought from Amazon. Or I got I got like a set of the foundation books by Isaac Asimov, mm. and then mm-hmm. I used one of my credits from Audible to buy the audio book, and I wanted to see how that whisper sync thing worked. So I uh, listened, right. you know. Uh, so I used the audio book. I listened to it on the way to work and then on the way back, and I was up to maybe page um, twenty or something like that. Uh, when I got into the car and it said, Audible said, hey, uh, you, this isn't your furthest sync point. Would you like to sync to it? I said, yes. And boom, it picked up right where I left off. And I thought, this is pretty cool. Uh, so I listened uh, that day, got home, picked up my Kindle, and it said, do you want to sync? And I said, yes. And it put me, unfortunately, 45 pages past where I had listened up to. Oh. <laughs> Aww. It was going to be such a good story. Yes. It really I, I, was. Last I had heard was you were impressed with it. And so this this kind of this is the update. Kind of ruins it for me. Yeah, because I picked up. I picked. I don't know why it was out of sync, but I got up to the. I picked up my my book, and I'm like, I don't recognize any of this. And then I went back a page, and I still didn't recognize it. And I just went kept going back. You sure, that's just not the storyline. <laughs> It's a, it's a futuristic. You have to read into the future and then back into the past. Uh, well, that series can be a lot, a lot like that. It's like, and now we go forward a hundred thousand years. Yeah, exactly. Now, unfortunately, none of the characters you just read about for in the past three hours exist. Yeah, it kind of did that. It kind of went mm-hmm. forward about ten thousand years in the book, mm-hmm. but but I skipped all the stuff in between, so I had to reverse. And so I'm going to keep trying it and see if it was just an anomaly or if it was who knows. I mean, I don't know. Well, and and let's be clear to get this feature is quite the investment. You have to basically buy two copies of the same thing. Exactly. Um, and it's, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, they should do something better for, I mean, they give you a discount on the audiobook um, if you don't have a credit to spend, but you know, I mean, I guess, yes, I did spend on it because I used my credit for the month. So that's what 12 bucks, 14 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it certainly wasn't free. Um, and I can see it still being useful if there's a book that you have to read, you know, and you have to do a lot of commu- uh, commuting, like driving. That yeah. way you can just, just immerse yourself in it, uh, read at night, read in the morning, you know, read on your commutes to and from work. You probably get a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of reading done. So I, I think it has a purpose, but I was a little let down by the fact that it, it almost worked. It worked halfway, but yeah, whatever. Um, so I wanted to update on that. Let me see. What else? Um Nothing else super interesting. I found a dead bird in my attic today. That was a little upsetting. Is that a euphemism? No, it was an actual okay. dead bird. Um, it, I think it somehow got into the eaves, and I heard something scratching around like crazy in there all day yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I couldn't place where where it was. And then this morning, I, I was awakened to the sound of like scrambling up in the attic. And I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> this is going to be... You know, I should put on the hockey equipment and go up there in case it's a squirrel or something and it attacks me. But I was just going up to open the window up there. We have these little tiny eave windows and let it out eventually. And it was just, it was was a bird. Somehow got into the walls of my house, made it out, and then died in the attic. And so that's my old old house story of the day. Um, That's it. 
was my that, that's that's not it's not great. You no, know? it's not great. At least I found it. At least it didn't die in the walls. That would have been gross. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was a recent story uh, out of uh, Texas. Couple moved into a home. <clears throat> they decided to go do some renovation, and they found an old woman, what? old skeleton in in the wall. What? Um, turned out several years ago, she just disappeared, right? The owner of the house. And they, they eventually bought the house from, I don't know who. And, uh, it turned out she, it sounded like she had gone up in the attic for something and fallen through the gap between the boards. Yeah. And not, not great. So, <laughs> you know, it, just be glad that, that didn't happen to you, Jeff. No, it didn't. at least it was just a bird. So, <laughs> It could have been much worse. Was it an old lady? Holy crow. (laughs) Literally, that is insane. Um, Now I have to look that up for the show notes. Yeah, you got to put that in the show notes. Um, I bought a gaming PC, much to my eternal shame. How's that going? uh, Pretty good, actually. Better than expected. Um, Also called a a cash shredder, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I. You you saying that? So we'll have to see what happens because I don't see any updates for it any in the future, in the near or potentially far future, right now, because I kind of bought a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, so I think they're going to be fine for quite a while. Um, uh, I said that after every computer I built right before I bought did. new parts. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess most people know this, but I wasn't super aware of it. Is that the Bitcoin miners have basically created such a demand for video cards that they cost two to three times the amount they actually are worth. Um, well, mm-hmm. I guess they're worth what you pay for them, but, um, you know, they should be two to $300, but they're selling for $1,200 for the highest end ones because, you know, Bitcoin miners use them for mining Bitcoin. That's a little they've annoying. Also, they've also wiped away s- several decades of, uh, energy efficiency gains in, oh my God, in power production. So, that's great. Good on you, nerds. Great job, nerds, for your stupid Bitcoin. Um, so, All right. Man, where else we are about? old today. We are old. We are. Well, you know. Well, so I was anxious to hear a good story about your uh, Kindle experience, but I'll, I'll let that pass. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the book that I forced you to read? Yes, although I didn't finish it, but we can talk yeah, about okay. what I have finished. Hey, yeah. it, 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 trust me. You finished it. <laughs> he repeats himself a lot. Yeah, I I got that impression because he covers a lot of the ground over and over. It, to the point where it's like, okay, I got it. I can go on to the next chapter. Like, yeah. let's just keep on moving. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting. Uh, you 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 told me to read it. Uh, I got the impression you were like throwing one of those um, one of those donuts off of the the deck of a ship to me in the water. <laughs> Um, flailing around saying, you need this more than well, I you do. And I spend a lot of time where scarily I'm the voice of reason. Yeah. That's well, <laughs> which I, I say scarily because that has never been the case in my life. But, but, uh, yeah, you tend to be more negative than, than I am about, um, our future the world. Yeah. The world and the current state of the world. And I'm usually the one talking you down from your, um, stepladder. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a rough, rough almost two years. I'll say that. Um, and so you were like, you should read this book. And then ironically, I saw or coincidentally, I saw s- other people reading it in my Instagram feed. Um, well, that's funny. You know what? I think time. it was. I probably. I think the ripples were created by maybe. Bill Gates recently said this is like one of his top 10 oh, books. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Of the year or something like that. Um, so let's, let's tell people what it is and you can talk a bit about how you came to it and what it's kind of high level about. Uh, it's, it's definitely um, a gotcha book of like facts about humanity. Let's put it that like, I think that's, that's my best summary of like, you think you understand where we are as a civilization, um, but you're probably way off that uh, the facts, the, the raw data shows something very different and very much more optimistic than I think most people are about where we're going as a culture and as a, um, you know, civilization compared to, uh, I think he does a nice job framing, you know, 20 years, 50 years, hundreds of years, 
uh, and the progression of civilization and and the amount of human suffering in each each of those. Yes. Um, and before we go too much further, the book is called epochs. Factfulness. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Uh, I thought I said Hans Rustling. And yes. Um, and you're right. Uh, it's basically, uh, you know, I so think- like everything to do. I, I, I was just talking about this recently. I, you know, I grew up with the notion that we were going to overpopulate the earth at one point and it was dire. And uh, if we didn't do something about it, we we're going to run off food because the population on the planet is just growing exponentially. And he points out like, that's not the case at all. We know what exponential growth looks like and we can measure, you know, the changes in population. And he spends a lot of time of focusing on how wrong everybody is, which I got a little old for me of like, mm-hmm. you know, I asked this question of this audience of oh, yeah. Mensa yeah. and uh, only 1% got it correct. And 99% of the people are morons. Um, I got that got a little old, but it comes down to like we latch on to negative ideas really easily with very little support, and we resist, you know, optimistic or positive ideas, uh, and require a lot more information to to associate with those. So, the one about population was pretty interesting because it was, you know, if you look at the number of children, you know, now versus twenty five years from now, it's expected to be about the same. And that the increase in population is mostly because of better health care, more education. Right. People have fewer children when they're more educated. That all these other things um, play into our accurate estimates. And that, that data has been available. Like that the World Health Organization has, and, the, and you know, um, not NATO, um, um, UN has yeah, data the, on UN, this, yeah. right, of, of what the estimates are. And this is available, but we all still think that we're going to overpopulate the Earth in 50 years. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Um, and I think there's, the, you know, he cites a lot of reasons for it. And there's probably some that are things that we've probably experienced ourselves, which is you, you're exposed to a set of facts um all, all the time, like every day that are kind of have, have taken hold as assumptions and they get pushed because those same people pushing those learned as an assumption as well. So when you just hear the population is exploding and it, the other thing is I think it kind of maps intuitively to your brain because it feels like there's more people, you know, and you, because we're, we see them we see people on the news more often. We see big crowds on the news. Like it feels like it's tr- the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, he talks a lot about like because you it, because it feels like it might be correct. It's very easy to convince yourself of this well, being and a fact. Humans have a penchant for um, negative for, for latching on to negative things that that we've just evolved to prefer to. Um, embrace negative the negatives because that's how we've kept ourselves safe is like assuming we will fall off a cliff or you right. know, out of a tree or that might be a snake in the middle of the road not a stick yeah exactly. so we make that assumption right away like we've and, evolutionarily we've evolved this right to, because to what are the consequences if it's a stick and you were wrong nothing what's the consequences of if it was a snake and you were right oh pretty pretty substantial pretty bad so, yeah especially uh, since i hate it, snakes so he he does a good job of going into that. I wish this would have been instead like co-authored with a sociologist or something that would put a little bit more um, basis behind some of this because a lot of what he does is like gotcha with statistics. Like, oh, you know, you think it's this and it turns – you think that uh, education among men and women is completely lopsided in the world. But statistics show it's this, and he goes into a little bit of why that is, you know, having to do with economics and and earning potential in different countries and how that improves. But I just felt like it was a little shallow because you know he, while he does comment on it, there's also it would one major bad event would <laughs> would upset this entire you know, book, right. One, one new major war, like third, like, um, right. World war three, or even not at that scale, but a major, um, first you know, war between, um, you know, first world countries yeah. would 
sent a lot of these statistics backward. And, and yeah, they would. I, I do think that it was a very... It was good for someone like me who reads things in the news and then tends to... I tend to magnify things for the worse, right? So when I read something in the news, I assume it's much worse, actually, than what I'm reading. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because and he addresses I, that, too. Yeah, right? he does, yeah. Like, that's not wrong. You're like, you're not weird for doing that. That's actually... And I, I don't know, when was this? Uh, it was written published Fairly recently, April right? 3rd, 2018. So yeah, new. Maybe that's why we're all hearing about it. But, you know, it's pretty close to what's going on right now and why we all look at the news and, you know, put our put our head in our hands of like, oh, no, this is this is really going badly. But he's trying to point out, like, you know, over a decade, it's all improving and. You just don't typically look for that because no one gets uh, journalism awards for saying that uh, everything's good, er, like doing yeah, keep well. doing what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> education levels are improving. Uh, people are becoming more equal everywhere. Uh, there's less discrimination, you know, from a decade ago. Like this is all getting better. So there you go. Uh, on to you, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do think that there's this um, prevalence in the book towards the, you know, taking a, a, a look at the things, like you said, a thing that did bug me was the, the polls that he did. And he calls them out so many times. I, like, I don't really care how much Mensa people are wrong about something. I just wanted to understand what, to be what fair, he never said Mensa people. He, he does <laughs> point out like people at all these different, um, organizations that you would think would be experts at this. Right. And that they're, yeah. they're not. And so there aren't actually a lot of experts that, that get this right, I think is what he was trying to point out. Yeah. And he just harps and, on a little bit too and, much. And, but you, you know, you can kind of feel that by, um, you know, if you do watch it, have the unfortunate, uh, yeah, unfortunate, you know, feeling of watching the news and watching pundits or whatever, so much of the stuff that they say, there's a supposed experts and so many of the things that they say are often proven wrong or incorrect because then you realize that these people are just kind of saying their opinions. And this book is kind of saying, yes, they say their opinions. Also, their opinions are tainted by the wrong facts at a basis and then potentially the wrong facts. Even if they're a specialist, uh, there's like a certain base level of information that everybody seems to go by and they start there rather than go to the deeper level of like, you know, he cites a lot of different examples of like, you know, if you're, if you're doing uh, population work or whatever, like nobody ever really goes back to the base numbers that you can get that are kind of like quote unquote unbiased that you get from the UN or, or whatever, like a, a, um, like a general census by experts of each country that are just saying, no, these, this is the population of our country. You just kind of go by your, your gut feel of there's a lot more people now than there used to be. And I think also he does do a good job of breaking down the things like you mentioned about when he, when he talks about it, it makes sense. You know, uh, people live a lot longer than they used to. So obviously the world population is going to be going up at the, at the high end of the age bracket rather than people are having babies. They're not like having 10 times more babies than they used to, you know, I felt he did a good job. Even like uh, he seems to avoid the simple answer, like very clearly. So it'd be really simple to say, well, population is going up because these old people are living longer. He's like, that's not really, that's not really it either. Like this is all a curve. It's, it's one part of yes. Right. And there's this large group that maybe tracks back to the baby boomers, but you know, the baby boomers had kids too. And like, you can see this wave of population moving through, but at the same time that that's not even that simple answer is not it either. Uh, at the same time, all this is happening. Um, education is increasing around the world. And when people, become educated, they have far fewer kids. And, yeah, yeah. and that is the offset to a, a lot of this. And I thought that was very interesting of like, this is a multi-parameter problem. And most people can't think about problems that way. They just want to have the simple direct answer. Yeah. They also talked about, um, I think he called it the, the gap problem of analysis where, um, which I found very insightful. It took me a little bit to wrap my head around it because I'm stupid. 
Um, but with it, the idea is that when you read the news and they, it, it, it is possible that when you look at the highest ends of the bell curve, that maybe the highest end is getting slightly higher or the lowest end is getting, you know, slightly lower. But what the news and the people reporting this stuff never really kind of go into the depth of is the bulk of the middle of the bell curve is always very stable, you know? So he talks about income and wealth inequality. Yes. Yeah. That was great. Cause it, it was know, definitely it, counter to my own, like, our own feel for world. it, right? Like yeah. it feels like, yeah, this is out of control. Right. But he said, you know, in, in the bulk though, in the bulk of the bell curve, the middle of the bell curve stays fairly stable. Yes, there are slightly more at each end of the spectrum, but they're only each end of the spectrum. Like the amounts of people on either side of that are much smaller than the mm-hmm. bulk of the people whose lives are getting measurably, measurably better in the entire world, you know? And when you visualize it, you know, it does it makes sense that way, you know. Uh, well, and, and more importantly, he he points out it's not just staying the same. the 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 middle, the bulk, the the largest portion is not staying the same. It is slowly moving towards um, less suffering, which I th- I thought was a good way to measure everything because it's yeah. not it's not yeah. all these individual metrics of like you know, what they're eating or how much they eat or how much rice they have or whatever economic, you know, abilities within their, you know, their country. It's, do they suffer less? And the one I really, the example I really liked was when he's breaking down the categories of, was it $1 a day? And then level one is $1 a day and like level two is like $4 a day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's how much you make. And he's like the difference between level one and level two, $1 a day, you drink dirty water out of a hole. Right. And I think that's the way you put it in level two, where you make $4 a day, you have a plastic bucket and you can go get clean water. And he's like, that's, that's extraordinary, an extraordinary difference in health. And the difference, the, the ripples that that creates is the people at level two now with the plastic bucket have fewer kids and more of them survive and more of them go to school and he's, you know, and then you move to level three, which is what we would consider pretty happy, pretty healthy, like pretty low suffering. Yeah. And the, the, he talks a little bit also about the time involved in just surviving at that lowest level, like the $1 a day, like the time you spend just surviving is yeah. much greater. Therefore, no the, leisure you know, time, no leisure right. time. And you're they don't always have vacations yeah. from, from suffering. Yeah. And it's not until they get a few levels in that you've got vacations, but that that's why, you know, when he talks about these levels of income and suffering, the most of the people in the world, the great majority of them have most of what we can would consider minimal suffering. But when you look at the news or when you read articles about people in dire need, which definitely exist, and he's not saying that they don't, but he's saying that our overall happiness um, is affected by what we perceive the world as being. And this is why you sent it to me, right? So if your overall yes. happiness is is kind of tied to the fact that the world sucks because you see on the news that people are poor and there's income inequality and all of that stuff. When you put it in, he helps kind of say, okay, yes, those things exist. But if you put it in perspective, things are overall getting better. And here's the data for why that is. And here's Mm -hmm. also, like you said, here's also the reason why you may not think it feels that way. Um, So it's a good, (laughs) go ahead. This is, but this, uh, even before I read this book, this is something I think I said to you a lot, like, um, over the past year or so of, yes, yeah, I agree. This is all, these are all terrible, despicable people, but overall there's less racism. Overall, there's more gender equality. Overall, there's less bias against people with handicaps. And it doesn't feel that way because the Washington post doesn't like to talk about cases where a woman does make the same as man, because that's not a good story. And I'm not saying that there isn't income equality. I'm def- I definitely appreciate that there is, but I think this book helped kind of clarify that there, there is an, an earning gap, but it's always getting smaller. And that is a sign of, you know, cultural advancement. 
that we are always moving on this positive trajectory compared to even 25 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I can now shift my, my worry to, I, you know, keeping moving in that <laughs> positive advancement because, you know, it could all turn around tomorrow, Gabe, let's be honest. That, 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 that's true. That's very true. Could, could all turn around. I'm going to, I'm still going to try and ascribe to the philosophy that it's, uh, incrementally over the over over some period of time it's moving in a positive way and it's because i think i think he mentioned this at some point we as we solve problems and no longer have to worry about various aspects of being human on the planet like we invest more in in our culture and and that means like equality we care more that people are treated better uh, we don't have that luxury when we we ourselves are starving no, or that's we're a good fighting point a too. war or we have a famine like that's less of a concern right and yeah. and as as that has happened in the modern world like far fewer people are starving to death and so we can spend time saying like well yeah why don't all the girls get to go to primary school you know for this for this society i mean it was just last week right and uh in iran or was was it iran or was it um I'm sorry. This beer must already be setting in. Women, women weren't allowed to drive for the first time, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I it, remember hearing something about that. Yeah. And you can argue maybe that was a step back 50 years ago when they were not allowed to do a lot of things because of a religious regime taking over. But the fact is, like, skip ahead, and now it's it's equalizing again. And so that minor step back then may, you know, was corrected by a positive minor step you know, now. Yeah, now. And I and I think he tries to make that point in the book as well, is that these things are often incremental and things aren't it's it's like a history kind of moves in these fits and starts where um and that's another thing you've been saying since November twenty sixteen as well, um, is that, you know, it, it the pendulum is always swinging back and forth in a lot of ways. And so we talk about this you know. a lot in my household of like, you know, it, the fact is a lot of people are going to die eventually. Right. So I don't mean in a, in a calamitous event. I mean, just overall, I mean, everybody uh, younger, younger people yeah. will move into these. They'll become old people and they'll, they'll take over these roles and they'll have totally different perspectives on the internet, on freedom, on journalism and, and things will, sh- will continue to shift because they grew up in this time when, you know, more kids are dying in school shootings and in in military operations. Yeah, right? and yeah, that, I saw that. <laughs> they're going to look back and say, "Oh, okay, well, you know that that informs my beliefs now, and I'm now the U.S. senator from Kentucky or whatever." Um, maybe maybe that's going to have some positive effect. I, I have to believe it does because that's what we've seen is that. People that we think are old now were young at one point, living in a world that was absolutely horrible for people of color and for women. You know, they were yeah, young when women couldn't vote, or when when people of color couldn't vote. Right, and then you know, so those folks see that and think that it's crappy, and then they become the people who make the laws later. Um, that all makes sense, but yeah, you're right. The the people who have those who are in those positions of power right now are definitely, um, you know, they still have a way to go. Um, and as the younger folks get out of school and, you know, they graduate from high school with the things that my kids are dealing with right now, um, you know, they'll be the ones who are inspired to go into politics or seek office or something like that and Mm -hmm. say, you know, somebody needs to do something about this. So I think that's, that's a good point. Um, I think it's, it would be very useful for us um, societally to somehow get the message of this book at a kind of a at a kind of a low level for everybody. Like if everybody kind of understood this, there'd be less um, hand wringing in Ajita uh, over things. I'm not saying this book is a cure all. It's just a way to adjust your frame of reference a little bit. Um, about how you approach the information that bombards us basically every day. So well, just think. like you've, you've heard the things of like, it feels like people should get a basic 
education and statistics in primary school, right? To understand what, what these things mean. I think this is kind of along the same lines as we need, we need a basic education in understanding and challenging facts or what we believe are facts. And he, he, he talks a bit about, um, the, (laughs) I lost the thread. (laughs) Oh, challenging facts. No, I, I, well, I mean, how to how to challenge the facts and oh that that's what i was thinking Uh, to ask yourself if i heard the exact opposite of this would i think it was a big deal Hmm. right um he says that a couple times and it took me a while to kind of click into that of like if i heard the exact opposite of um you know i I don't know the the population explosion that we're you know we're going to overpopulate the earth and all die if i heard the exact opposite of like you know, we're not going to overpopulate the earth and we're all fine. Right. There's not going to be too many people. Would that be a big deal? Because those opposites should both be newsworthy if, if it's a meaningful piece of information. That, hmm. so That's an I interesting th- one. I do I remember took, him mentioning that, but I didn't, that didn't kind of sink in. I took that to mean, um, challenge extreme, uh, quote facts, extreme ideas is that most things aren't extreme, right? Most things are pretty run of the mill. Of like, it's, it's bad, but it's not the end of the world. You know, I thought he did a good job talking about the Ebola thing of, um, that, that he was involved. He spends a lot of time talking about his, his personal experience and, and his role in the world. But, uh, he does mention a couple times about, uh, you know, that originally he didn't think Ebola was that much of a risk until he started looking at the data and then you know, because most, most diseases you hear about of being epidemics aren't really like, you know, remember avian flu and yep. yeah, everybody got flu. freaked out yep. right over that. And it turned out it was all, um, more or less a marketing. <laughs> it's terrible. I didn't uh, know that, but yeah, still, well, maybe I'll look for it. It's a depressing show note. So I, I might not put it in there. Our show notes aren't looking great right now, man. <laughs> Woman found in wall factfulness, Did- <laughs> uh, Whisper sync doesn't work. Um, yeah, I got so, a gaming PC. Uh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought it was a good book. I I thought it might help you, in particular. I think it, I think friends. I'm going to finish it um, f- uh, because I do think that it is good for. Um, I would say sanity checking the things that I hear, but that sounds like. You know, uh, sounds like you're insane. Maybe, yeah, exactly. But it, but it's like you know, I, I think if it introduces a few kind of rules of thumb as to how to approach a given set of quote unquote facts in the news, I think it's useful. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if we want to touch on how you go about consuming the news these days. We had a show about that a while back. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know, has yours, have you changed, um, how you're approaching taking in I've your a, information I've added a little bit more world news in a little bit more political news, mostly because I've tried to come to some type of, I don't know, happy place of it's really not as bad as I thought it would be. I, you know, if, if you're, if you have a different political opinion, you listen to the show, you probably don't want to listen to the show. That's fine. Uh, you know, we'll tell our sponsors. Um, it, I think, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised about how dumb and inept the administration is and how completely incapable they are of doing the evils that they would like to do. Yeah. That's um, true. And that has, and also I've, I've tried to, uh, try to be a little bit more positive in my thinking of maybe this is a test for our Republic and like our democracy of what, what can we withstand? So let's say organized <laughs> crime took over the, the government, right? Could yeah, our let's country just say. withstand that because it's made, it's actually made of normal people that want to do good things, right? They want that they do have good things in their mind and not on their agenda. And that, Maybe the government being made up of this large group of people means it can absorb and resist and repel repugnant people that, that are at the top. And it seems that seems to be the case in many parts of 
of uh, politics right now. It, while the leaders may be abhorrent and pathetic, it, the individuals who have to execute on those orders uh, resist and twist them and avoid St- doing stall damage. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that's really that's really a very uplifting message to me uh, to know that not one single administration can come in and destroy you know 200 years of legacy by you know you know being disgusting right yeah I mean we um to turn it away from politics and to people. Thanks. Um, you're welcome. By the way, send email to Jeff. No, no, not to me. I don't disagree with anything you said, but don't send me emails. Um, the, the, I've had um, work situations recently. We're part of a huge company now, a huge organization. And there have been situations where um, a, a thing will come up um, and it'll be a, a pretty gargantuan task. I think I told you this about it when we were texting back and forth, but it was, you know, have a gargantuan task that would take weeks of time. That just seems like a kind of thrown out there command, like catalog every application that you use, who uses it, what they use it for, what servers it's on. Uh, and we, we're going to want to send folks out there to help you plan, you know, development plan and, and future proof things. And I'm thinking, what in the world that would take us months. I mean, there's, I think we did a spreadsheet of, of just, uh, the, the, the high level apps and there was something like 450 of them. And so I needed to collect all that information on them and all that. Anyway, um, my boss is like, well, I'm not going to tell them we're not doing it, but just slow walk it a little bit. And, you know, we'll wait a couple of weeks, remind me in a couple of weeks about it. And we'll ask the guy who asked us to do it. Do we really still need to do this? Because it's a big task. And I did. And the guy was like, yeah, that, that kind of died on the vine. We don't really need that data now. Like if I had jumped on that thing, studiously started working, I would have wasted two weeks worth of my time. And it's kind of like, you know, you got folks in these government jobs mm-hmm. who are, they're saying, Hey, I need you to roll back eight years worth of um, anti-pollution rules. Could you get on that right away? Uh, And they're just kind of not acting on them as quickly as I think the government would like. And I think there's a big, big difference there though, which is the motivations are very different between those two scenarios. The (laughs) motivation for the scenario you, you outlined to me is mostly, um, benign. It's somebody who doesn't really understand what they're asking for, but right. they were charged with doing some major thing. And they're like, Oh, I'll know. I know what I'll do. I'll pass this on as a mission to, yeah. you know, the, the boots on the ground to gather this information. And then I'll have a really awesome PowerPoint slide. Right. And that it wasn't malicious. Whereas I believe people that are trying to mis- dismantle the government and soak as much cash out of it as they can during one admis- administration cycle, I-, I do believe that's malicious. Right. So I think there's a big difference there in motivations. Um, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> and, and I don't know that- if we want to get into this. I do agree with you. But I, I, you know, when you talk about malicious, the thing I'm always wondering about is do they think they're doing evil or good? Well, no one thinks that they're evil, but that's my question. I really think that that's not a thing. Like I think people believe that they're, they're the hero all the time. And they think that everybody else has gone astray and that we should be able to pollute the environment as much as we want because we, damn it, we're going to create a job somewhere for doing that, right? Because not only do we create a job in the factory, we create two jobs for cleaning up the mess. Uh, Hoorah. Uh, I don't think they're evil. I think that they are still greedy and selfish and that there is this like despicable vein running through certain, certain minds that are like, Greed is good. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I I think people, some people really internalize that because it made them feel good, right? Like, oh, I'm not awful. Well, it's also this kind of type A, you know, Mm -hmm. to tread all over everybody else and then view them as below you. I I often just wonder if 
if they, uh, I mean, I'll mention Pruitt. This is that's kind of what we're dancing around. Is he? Does he really see himself as the hero of his own story, or is he just trying to enrich himself as much as he can before he gets Both. kicked out? I, th- I think people who enrich themselves at the cost of others never think of that as being evil. They think of it as deserved, and that if the other people deserved it, they would have done it. And you know, why not take advantage of the opportunity he has by buying himself a, an expensive door and a table and a you know, soundproof booth. Um, to him, I don't think that's evil. Now, malicious, when I say malicious, I think that they understand the negative consequences and don't care about them. I don't think it's that they don't believe them. Okay. I think you're right. I I agree with you then. Um, I was just wondering if they didn't see what they were doing as bad. But I don't think you can do a lot of the things that they're doing and not think that they're bad because <laughs> they're just at a base level. They're they're terrible things to do. Um, it, it it just at a very base human level. Like if you just. It, but again, that's why I don't understand. Like maybe there's just a bubble that people exist in. Like you know this. Like we were just talking about our kind of our news derangement that we have, right? We believe a lot of these facts. Maybe they're in a bubble where the facts are in such a way aligned to make the things that that he and the the EPA uh, folks who moved in, maybe that's just they think that this is the right thing to do and uh, th- they don't feel like they're putting one over on, on the American people. I don't know. Um, but I do know that those facts are very they aren't really addressed in the factfulness book. <laughs> let me let me, <laughs> let me ask you a counter position because oh, I do boy. like to think that way. Uh, do you remember the Kathy Griffin thing? Yes, I, I do. Right? Yeah. So I mean, it's forgettable. So whoever, if you if you're listening and you forgot it, oh, she posted a picture that was like a decapitated Trump or something like that. And she ended up kind of getting attacked by a bunch, a bunch of different sides, to be honest. Um, yeah, all sides for, for that, and it was in poor taste. Do you think that was evil or malicious? Do you think she knew that that was bad when she did that? Because I think that's a fair counterexample. Um, she had to have. I mean, poor taste. I guess what well, my my actual thoughts on it is, I don't like Donald Trump. But I would never do something like that. Um, right. And she did it because she thought, I really hate this guy and I want to sh- I want to be as sensational yeah, as possible. Yeah. Right. She, and, she wanted to provoke people. And mm-hmm. I think the issue that I have with people who provoke in that way is that you're really not helping the discussion. Right. I, I think the people who I talk to who do like Trump, um, although I feel they're deeply wrong um, feel like they're also not, they're being talked down to and they feel like I'm talking down to them when I'm just, (laughs) the problem is if I point out a fact and I, when I say a fact, I mean, he said a tweet on this time and I can give you the link to it. They feel like I'm attacking them personally, right? Because it's something that directly contradicts what they think and know, uh, because Trump said something completely opposite later. Um, and so when you have people who feel so aggrieved and disrespected, when you do something like that, well, then they're never going to listen to you. Right. But, but do you, we're talking about evil, right? Do you think she was evil? Oh, uh, no, I don't think she was evil. I think she was dumb. Hmm. Do you think she was evil? Because it was a one time thing and not a, like, like continuing to repeat the same problem. Yeah, I mean, if she did a new picture every day, like I think she pretty much realized she stepped into it about five seconds after she posted that, and everybody on all sides <laughs> was like, "That's pretty, pretty bad." Well, um, the left is really good about eating their own babies, right? Oh, we, that's we true. Do that all the time. Uh, no, I'm. I mean, more of the. Is it not evil if they're dumb? If it's inept, 
if it's an inept choice that seems to be really bad, like because they they should know better, but they maybe don't. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, just, I think I'm I trying to saying. draw I, I, I the guess... line here because I've seen a lot of stupid crap over the last year that I end up saying, mm, I don't think that person's that dumb. I think they're just really a terrible person. I think we've got both sides. Um, I feel like there are a lot of people who are dumb who are not doing things that are evil. I think they're just ignorant people either repeating what they've heard or <clears throat> you are not in possession of uh, facts or are willfully ignoring facts. And I think those people are dumb. And then I think there's a certain segment, and it's on both sides. I hate to say that phrase, but yeah, there's people on both sides who, who, who adhere to facts as it suits their narrative. Do you but think, then I do, th- do, I do think, think they're Pruitt evil people. Dumb. I think he's evil. You don't think he's dumb? Uh, I think he's dumb and evil. I think okay. he's dumb because he's <laughs> he's done a lot of things that are like, why would you need a soundproof room that costs forty five thousand dollars? Like, like there's so many I things. I would say he, because he's he his plan is evil, <laughs> and he knows that anyone in earshot hearing that possibly would recognize yeah. that as an evil plan. Yeah, but <laughs> I think he's dumb thinking that he could just do that and people wouldn't be like, "Hey, dude." Yeah, that's different. That's kind that, of that means your, your plans are dumb. Yeah, like, it doesn't mean that you're dumb about the motivations of what you're doing. So uh, I'm 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 uh, going to extend this a little bit. Uh, do you think the president? is dumb. I think the president is one of the dumbest people to ever hold a public office. So does that make him less evil? Um, I think it's a combination. Again, I think he is dumb. I think he's willfully ignorant of a lot of things. I think he lies about the rest of them. And I think he, I think there are things that he does that are evil. I, I definitely think so. Um, but I think that the majority of what he does is because he's being influenced by people who are more evil and he's dumb. So he right. believes he, them. he's a despicable person that also doesn't have morals. Right. Yes. And, and he, so he's a moralist person that is also not very bright. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, I'm, I'm, I'm just making that's sure a great we, summary. we've come to the same conclusion. This has been my opinion of him for a while now i was originally very worried because i thought he was smart and and evil like nixon which just seems to be a comparison a lot these days um but it turns out he's just moralist and dumb which yeah. is which is not the worst case scenario no i mean was... i think he's easily led which i think is one of the biggest problems um and i do think that there are people in his administration and there were many more when it first started that were actually despicable evil people um who who are they were just the worst um uh, you mean like white supremacists yeah and, white supremacists uh, exactly yeah. uh mm-hmm. they're and I think there's not the good ones though, not the ones on the good side. <laughs> there's some, there's some very nice people. Uh, so yeah, I think that he, uh, is still being influenced by some pretty pernicious, uh, people who are not dumb. Uh, I think that they are, uh, really malign people. Um, but I do think that he has proven to us, uh, that he's not one of these kind of, uh, idiot savants, uh, who kind of, you know, kind of plays dumb sometimes, but he's really mm-hmm. smart like a fox. I think he's mm-hmm. actually dumb. Yeah, uh, he could have stayed much quieter this whole time and actually accomplished a lot of terrible things. Yeah, exactly. But instead, he his ego is so so large that he needs to see headlines about himself every day. And if he doesn't, that's when he feels he needs to go tweet things so that yes. you know he'll be on Fox News the next night. Um, yeah, and okay. so I'm just I'm just trying to uh, you know big part of I think we talked about this is I'm, I've been fairly depressed this year because I dislike people more than I ever have in my life like dislike just gen- in general people I don't want to meet new people I don't have a positive feeling towards meeting new people because I'm always thinking in the back of my mind does this person have a Trump sticker on their truck right does, is this person actually an awful racist person. Because I've I've discovered a lot more people are racist than I thought, and then I read this book back to, you know, full circle, and it actually helped me a little bit of just like you know what there, yes, you're seeing a lot of a lot of blatant racism, and and I think I've mentioned this to you before, but 
it's better to see what exists than to have it hidden and like secretly infesting and changing our culture. Yeah, you're right. Um, And as it turns out, it's actually all slowly getting better. And those are anomalies that just now have a voice. Yeah, I I think you're right. Uh, My kids, um, we would drive up to my parents' house and they're kind of in upstate PA, which is Trump country, big time. And my kids are pretty liberal. They kind of know where I stand on stuff like this. And they're also fairly common sense. And they have friends who influenced by their parents in the same way my kids are. And they have parents who are Trump fans and whatever. And so they are exposed to both sides of these arguments. And we were driving up and there were people this soon. Actually, I wish it was a lot sooner after the election, but it was months after the election. There were people that still had Trump signs and it was after Charlottesville. So some people had Confederate flags in their yards. And my kids were like, you know, dad, this probably gets you really mad, doesn't it? And I, and I said, basically what you said is like, I'd rather, I'd rather these people advertise that they're racist. Cause then I know which ones to, to avoid. Uh, Hell, I want, I want Google maps to go map every neighborhood in that, you know, in yeah. one week to, to take a snapshot of the country. Yeah. Right. And so that you can say, show me a timeline. Are there uh, racist flags in the yard of this, this, my friend's house in the past yeah. year? That would be um, a great query. Yeah, and and I don't think um, I, I hear I read a lot of these think pieces about how uh, people who voted for him are very angry about the fact that they're always being called racists and uh, and dumbasses. And there's an article in the Post or New York Times or something recently where they said that, and I'm thinking, but but you support a racist and you say racist things. So you are kind of a racist. Um, and you know, cause then they always turn, turn around and say something completely racist later. In the yeah. But they left a, they left a nice tip for the Mexicans serving them at the restaurant. So it's, <laughs> yeah, they're they not don't. racist. Yeah. I don't read that stuff to be honest, because I, I do find that that is part of the problem with, with perceiving reality is that those types of essays, those types of stories, I, I originally use those as trying to hang my hopes on things of like, Oh, it turns out it's not the middle class. It's the, the wealthy uh, conservatives that elected Donald Trump. Oh no. Now we determine it actually is the middle class. No, now it's the millennials. Now, uh, no, uh, it turns out that, uh, you know, this all had to do with gerrymandering or right, whatever right. the latest story is. And I find that that is not helpful. And also, completely wrong almost all all of the time you know and the the fact that it can be so easily replaced by another opinion piece tells you that it's not useful information yeah i, I, I agree I, um is why i avoided those until recently as well but i wanted to take the you know take the pulse of what's out there and they said you know here's the real reason why you know or like trump voters are aggrieved or something like that um by us elites um Mm-hmm. And it, you're right. Most of that stuff is a bunch of malarkey. Um, but it is interesting to hear at least some of this anecdotal storytelling uh, to know what's out there. And it, like, you know, again, it goes back to if I don't know, I'm old, admittedly, but I'm not old enough to remember anyone as blatantly racist in uh public office is Donald Trump. Um, and so Wait, if, even publicly racist, not publicly blatantly. racist, publicly and because, blatantly. Yeah. Because uh, Reagan was pretty racist. Yes. But policies. I don't remember. I don't remember a lot of his, well, racist in his stuff. policies, it wasn't public. It was blatant, but it wasn't public. I, I think that is a very big distinction here and why I'm much happier with a Donald, with a Donnie in office than a Bush. Because I, I think that that was a, there have been a lot of blatant things done secretly that have been awful, and I don't I don't think Donnie can do much secretly, to be honest. Yeah, you're right. He wants to have credit for everything. I don't think he can everything. create a war on drugs that targets, uh, you know, the the black community um, secretly. I, I think he's too too vocal and too obvious in his racism. So I think that's. That's yeah, I, I think you're right. I also like think that. that he has 
he and the the rest of the folks in office right now are so focused on getting credit for things that like there's not a whole lot of and there's so much scrutiny because everybody thought for sure that what is happening was going to happen that it's really hard for people to not see these machines working right now so it's harder for them to hide this stuff and i say that but there's still stuff being unearthed even today that's happened in the months past that is a little distressing to me but so but but i will i will try to leave with one more positive note on how i perceive this this new new organization we're running under um whatever whatever you call it you call it administration it's not being administered very effectively I feel like a lot of conservative um, philosophies are are dying on the vine really quickly, way quicker than if it was a Democrat president, right? That, um, I mean, it's pretty much, it's pretty well accepted now, like the president paid to have sex with a porn star. And yes. <laughs> if, if religious conservatives can pass the buck on that, you know, I don't have, honestly, I don't have a problem with that personally. It doesn't, it's not somebody that I would want to associate with. I think that, that shows a, a potential weakness in your morals. Um, especially if you were married at the time. Um, but I, I, I guess I take a little bit of positive from it in that, that, uh, sacred cow is gone. Yeah, right. that 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 is no longer uh, one of the pillars of your um, your soapbox. Yeah, I, I guess we can say that. I'm sure that they'll mm -hmm. still. Um, well, that's fine. But I, I, I really, honestly, I grew up in the uh, what is it, the moral majority era of hearing about the moral majority and thinking, well, I guess if you're not a conservative, you have you know fewer morals. Or, and I was a kid, right? So it was it was hard to understand when you hear moral majority and you hear about the, um, you know, pro family and all this stuff. You, you, words, words affect kids that have limited understanding of the meanings much more than they do adults. Uh, I'm glad that's kind of disappearing. You can't really call yourself a, the moral majority anymore. Right. When yeah. you're like, well, yeah, that's between a man and a woman. If he wants to pay her money to have sex while his wife is <laughs> at home. Right. So, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Uh, a man That's a different, his, slightly different, different take a man on and it. His sure. maker. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it's definitely a different, different take on any Bible that I ever read. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, this has been I, an interesting episode, by the way, Jeff. Yes, yeah, I don't know how we got. I guess this book was inevitable to get us to this point. But it, it was, and I do think that uh, to go back to the positivity of the book, even though there's a lot of bad stuff going on, it's you you go through this stuff, and it does help kind of push you back. It kind of it gives it like a like a record scratch and puts it back on onto kind of like a firmer ground um but you know just real briefly like i don't read a whole lot of news anymore i think i read less now than i did after the election um that's probably good for you yeah exactly i, I find the, the the one thing i think this this book really helped me with is i feel a lot more um generous i guess like charitable maybe that's the better term of you know his focus on the difference between a dollar a day and four dollars a day really kind of it, it literally gave me goosebumps right of like wow that is extremely meaningful that if you can if you personally could donate three dollars a day for the whole year to somebody else you put them in a place where their future generations now have education it's not right. just like exactly. an infomercial it really is a measurable thing that uh, Sally Struthers has nothing to do with. Right. And and because those people are at the far ends of the spectrum, there's there's still a lot of people in that case, but there's less of them than you would think. So it doesn't feel like a like a like you're you're shooting an eyedropper into a tidal wave. You know what I mean? It really is a a tackleable problem that you could mm -hmm. make an appreciable difference with. That it's, it's not out of your control. I think yeah. that was, that was really important because I've heard that expression many times of people are feeling depressed right now because they feel they've never felt more like the world is out of their control. 
Like they can't do anything to make a difference in the world. Right. Um, and that's not true at all because look, we have made a difference over the past 25 years. If you're listening to this, you probably made a difference in, in many people's lives just by, you know, moving our civilization forward. Yep. And being a good, tolerant voice of reason most of the time. I think you're, you're doing the world a service. And, um, you know what also uh, is doing the world a service? Hill Farmstead. This beer's <laughs> How is pretty that good. Old beer? This, this crummy old beer, it's two weeks. Exp- it's like quote unquote expired, but it was only like three weeks old when I got it. So mm. it was fresh. Uh, it's good. It's actually gotten a uh, change in character quite a bit as it got warmer. Um, because it was really cold when I brought it up here. It was pretty good, though. I mm. drink I drink a lot more of it. How's yours? It, it's good. I, I wouldn't get, say it's bad. I would I would say it's probably a B. Maybe a B minus. It, it's, it is pleasant, but I think we've all, like all of our bars have been raised for what a good I IPA totally agree is. I totally Yeah. And it seems unfair, you know. Five years ago, this would have been not, uh, you know, they, I would have been saying they hit it out of the park. Like this was amazing. And one of my favorite beers, but now it's like, meh, I can, I can go down to the store right now and buy five beers way better than this. Yeah. I, I think they're, uh, they're, the bar is set so high right now. Um, it is really hard for new beers to like make a splash. Um, but it's nice to have on hand uh, any number of really delicious IPAs, which I like. Like yesterday at the Whip, I was able to get a can of Space Cake. Like, how is that going to happen? Uh, you know, two years ago, that was never going to happen. And now I can get cans of awesome beer anywhere, uh, at least for a while. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> until until the Trump embargo on aluminum raises prices so high that cans <laughs> oh, can't be had, used. He had to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> I just, read right. about, I just read about how craft beer was not happy about that. Well, so I guess I I'm the one that shared that. So. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I just right. found it funny. It's to, crazy. To be honest, I found it funny that... Uh, uh, as, well, as the world I'll swings have to put back to the show notes, right? That, that more or less uh, uh, brewers are angry. Like uh, the, the head of Coors, who was a big Trump supporter, is now mm-hmm. angry with Trump because of the tariff on aluminum, and now their cans are more expensive. Yeah. And the real takeaway here is, as a huge brewing company like Coors with really cheap beer, uh, that, hurts that makes a, a big more. difference to them. Yeah. But to craft brewers... Doesn't make any. They interview the craft brewer, and he's like, "We'll just like what? We'll make a couple cents less, yeah, on the beer. <laughs> uh, we won't obviously push that to customers, but who would even notice? <laughs> you know, yeah. We're meanwhile the Coors guy is like very unhappy with the tariffs <laughs> as, as he ships so out billions of cans funny. of beer. Yeah. 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 Well, well, this can beer. is this. Uh, this is Hill Farmstead is in a can, which uh, I'm just going to go drink that and, and appreciate the. No, it is. Yeah, they're doing cans. Yeah, they, they do cans. I, I did not know they did cans. This is the first cans I've ever seen for them. It has a nice little, like, hand-applied label on it and everything. It's kind of neat. It's good stuff. Okay, then. We'll go, okay, then. Fine. Okay, then. <laughs> All right. I hope you're feeling better, man. I do. I do. I feel, I feel a little bit talked off the ledge. I appreciate the book. Okay. I think I have another book for you called Everything is Wrong. I'll send that to you now. <laughs> Perfect. I can't wait. <laughs> All right.